Ninja. All right. Well, hi, everyone. So this is Geography Ninja. And this episode, we're going to be talking about Europe, but it's really a particular idea of Europe. And I thought the timing is is probably right to do this because Europe is big on the agenda. If you're in the UK or actually anywhere in Europe, of course, it's big on the agenda. But um, we're looking at Brexit Day for the United Kingdom on Friday, the 31st of January. So this is supposed to be the official date that the UK leaves the European Union. And um, I don't know, some people may be celebrating, other people are, are feeling not very good about that happening. But I thought, well, for, for Geography Ninja, we've already done a couple of previous podcasts on the geography of Brexit. And I thought, well, <clears throat> I've just finished reading a really interesting book. And that book is is um, called Rule Britannia. And it's uh, Brexit and the End of Empire. And this is by uh, geographer Danny Dawling and Sally Tomlinson. Um, and one of the uh, one of the issues that's raised towards the end of the book is this this idea of, of Eurotopia. And I must admit that was not something that I'd ever come across before. But looking into it, I found it really interesting. So this podcast I've called What Was Eurotopia? Um, purposely putting it in the past tense because this is certainly for for anyone in the UK it feels like Europe and um, EU things are maybe now to be referred to in the past tense but what was Eurotopia? Oh you're not still going on about Brexit are you? So now many of you are going to be aware of a a lager, a beer called Heineken. And back in 1992, uh, Dutch beer tycoon Freddie Heineken came up with um, an idea about Europe. Uh, It it was actually a, a pamphlet that was titled The United States of Europe, open brackets, Eurotopia, question mark, close brackets, and this was co-authored by a couple of uh, Dutch academics, actually historians, um, at the University of Leiden in the Netherlands. So uh, he collaborated with someone called uh, Henk Wesseling, who was prof- professor of history, and another historian called Wim van den Doel. And this idea, it's um, it seems to have got a little bit buried in in recent years and it took me a little while to try and dig up some information uh, on this but it's basically an idea that separates the 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 nation states of Europe and carves them up uh, chops them up into 75 smaller uh, regions or smaller areas um, each with a population of somewhere between about 5 and 10 million inhabitants. So looking at a map of Europe, which is divided up on this basis, Europe starts to look startlingly different. OK, so where does this word Eurotopia come from then? Well, 
Um, it's sort of something your opinion. It's really the idea of reshaping Europe in the second half of the 20th century. And it's a play on the, the word utopia. So if you go back to the 16th century, in fact, 1516, you had Sir Thomas More, a very famous book, Utopia. I think I read it when I was in um, <clears throat> doing my A-levels. Anyway, um, what does utopia mean? Well, it's actually from, it's Greek. It's from the Greek word utopos, meaning no place or nowhere. Um, but there's, there's, there's another Greek word, which is um, utopos, which means a good place. So really, utopia was all about trying to make a, a perfect world and you know, questioning whether that is that is that possible or not. So I suppose what Freddie Heineken is trying to do here is suggest, is, is it possible to make a perfect Europe? Now, if you're anything like me, and you know, you're really into your geography, maps are gonna be your, your thing. And um, one of the first books I had when I was probably, uh, I don't know, around 10 or 11, it was a historical atlas. And I was just absolutely fascinated to look at these, these shapes of, you know, uh, you know, land and islands and countries, um, and knowing that they, at some point in the past, they, they'd been different in some way. They'd, they'd been different um, sort of setups as countries, they'd been parts of empires, all of this sort of thing. So maps really do fascinate me. And um, <clears throat> I, what I did come across was a blog post by uh, Frank Jacobs, who authored a book that I, I have in my possession called Strange Maps, an Atlas of Cartographic Curiosities. And um, you should really check this out. They've got there's a there's a, a website there with with a blog. And what the the strap line there says is each map tells a story. Stories told by your standard atlas for score or reference are limited and literal. They show only the most practical side of the world, its geography and its political divisions. Strange Maps aims to collect and comment on maps that do everything but that. Maps that show the world from a different angle. And I've got to say, Freddie Heineken's map of Eurotopia, as it was titled, certainly do do that. They do show the world from a very, very different angle particularly, uh, you know, specifically Europe. So just to talk you through some of Eurotopia's different uh, states. So we've got 75 of them. I've got, I've got time to go through them all. Um, but starting off with Scandinavia. Scandinavian countries stay pretty much the same in uh, Heineken's Eurotopia map uh, because they're pretty small countries generally in terms of population size. Um, so, you know, smallest being Iceland, just under 300,000 people. But, you know, you look at, at countries like Finland and Norway and so on, they're all around a 5 million population mark. Sweden's a bit bigger, uh, just under 9, 9 million. Um, if you look at the British Isles, that looks really different. So, you know, Scotland's separate island. Well, it's one island. There's no border separating the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland and that gives them a population just in excess of five million um, but then uh, England the main uh, the largest part of the UK is split up into several different areas so we've got Wessex for example uh, it is going back to sounds like an Anglo-Saxon kingdom doesn't it back in the dark ages but Wessex is there just under six million people where is its capital it's Plymouth um, 
what about uh, Mercia? That sounds a bit Anglo-Saxon as well, doesn't it? Birmingham is the capital uh, of that, um, somewhere in the region of seven and a half million. So England is really, really split up there. Um, we're looking at Central Europe, places like the Low Countries and Germany, Central Europe. We've got a number of uh, different locations there split up um, into regions. We've got Bavaria, for example, its capital being Munich, population of around 6 million. Uh, we've got Silesia, uh, just over 8 million, um, and so on. Bohemia, uh, capital Prague, just over 6 million. So the whole of Europe is split up into these different regional places. France, similarly, split up into about seven different regions with that, that sort of population between five and ten million. Spain and Portugal, well, Portugal stays as one complete ent entity, just over ten million, but um, Spain split up into about six different regions, including, um, well, we've, we've got some um, Catalonia is on there with Barcelona as its capital population of around 6 million. Um, that may be slightly controversial. Um, and then, you know, other places, Switzerland and Italy split up into um, into sort of nine or ten different regions. Um, Greece remains as one uh, complete region, population just in excess of 10 million. But um, a radically different map of Europe, and it's those places with really high population densities that on the map look look quite small. Those those places with much sparser populations look relatively large. Ooh, that's quite interesting. So the obvious question here is going to be why? What's what's the point? Why why Eurotopia? This vision of Europe chopped into seventy five separate regions that Freddie Heineken came up with what was the the point of it well his his idea really was it was going to be more manageable europe you know under the umbrella of um a single european uh identity and framework actually smaller states are going to be more manageable to be easier to govern than having a few really large dominant states and i'm guessing he was thinking of countries like the uk france germany italy maybe who were particularly dominant, um, certainly over and above those, those smaller um, member states of Europe, which may be o overwhelmed by the larger ones. And also the idea that all of these new European states would have some, the things they would have in common would be the population size. So, you know, no, no one would really dominate because everyone was going to be between 5 and 10 million in terms of population size. Um, and also there'd be some historical coherence um, of these new European states. So I'm guessing that's, that's the reason that um, Heineken collaborated with two um, academic historians in order to, to think that through. So uh, one thing maybe we should think about is there were a couple of major um, geopolitical changes going on in Europe during the early 90s when this uh, piece of work first surfaced and um, so one of them was that we, Europe was going through its own change. The Maastricht Treaty in 1992 um, was really the, the treaty that changed uh, what had previously been the European Economic Community into the European Union and that did raise 
certainly in Britain, it did raise some concerns over, you know, um, how political, you know, is, is this the beginning of the United States of Europe? How political was this going to be rather than just um, some sort of free trade uh, association? So that was going on. Um, and that really set in place the whole single currency, you know, the development of, of the euro exchange rate mechanism um, and, and these sorts of things. Now, the other thing that was going on at the time, it was just after uh, the end of the Cold War. So you'd had the, the fall of the Berlin Wall back in 1989, around the same sort of time as well, uh, early 1990s. It was the, the collapse of the Soviet Union. So that was major changes. Now, within Europe, that did lead to the breakup of um, certain existing nation states, places that had been in place since the end of the Second World War. So namely Yugoslavia, as it was then known, um, and Czechoslovakia, which, of course, split into the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Um, also around that sort of time, you had... Uh, the Baltic states, so Latvia and um, Lithuania and Estonia, were were there. They were on the map for the first time in um, in at least a generation. Um, they had appeared. So you had these small states. Um, you know, the number of countries in Europe was was increasing at that time. So giving a little bit of weight, actually, to to Heineken's ideas about this Eurotopia. Mm. So, well, you know, what I would say is it does raise quite a lot of questions. So here we are in 2020. We've got the UK leaving the EU. Who'd have thought that would have happened a few years ago? Um, and I think this, I think it's worth revisiting this idea. Um you know, it does raise a lot of good geographical questions for us. So, you know, one of them is what what is more effective? Is it bigger or smaller states if you've got some sort of um, grouping like the EU? And that is pretty unique globally. But, you know, within that, the small states, do they do they get sort of dominated by large states? Would it be would it be more effective to have um, a larger number of small states or you know a smaller number of large states or how you know how do you how do you balance that out um, but alongside that you've got the whole question of the nation state how do you overcome the issues of national identity that have been forged effectively by 300 years of of being nation states if you think about the the UK for example you know, how long has that been a nation state for? I don't know. Do you go back to, to 1707 when Scotland and England became a union? You know, is is nationalism, is it important in, in an age of globalisation? The EU clearly is, is goes some way towards um, globalising influences where you've got countries uh, working together, freedom of movements, you know, single currency, single market... How do you overcome those those issues of national identity? Is is national identity becoming more important or or less important um, in recent times? Um, <clears throat> is a United States of Europe is it possible or even desirable? You know, do do we do we think that is is a good idea? Um, and what about Brexit? You know, we've got to come back to this. We can't avoid the B word. Does it make a United States of Europe more or less likely? 
Well, if you subscribe to what Danny Dawling and Sally Tomlinson, uh, the point that they make in their in their book Rule Britannia, um, Brexit and the End of Empire, then you know they make the point that back in 1992, if we'd been talking about a, a united Ireland or Scotland separating from the the rest of the UK. Um, that idea would just have seemed completely ludicrous. But in in the context of today, with the UK leaving the EU, um, maybe that doesn't look so preposterous now. Um, really, the, the, the point that they make there as well is, is the map of the UK as it looks under Eurotopia... You know, I said at the beginning, it looks a bit like the old Anglo-Saxon kingdom. So if you go back in time, you know, 1,200 years or something, 1,100 years, whenever, in um, in the early medieval period, maybe it looks a bit like that. But the areas that have voted to remain, so places like London and Scotland, I don't know, could could they split apart from the rest of the, the UK? So I don't know what to think, really. I mean, it's, um, you know, maybe the EU is, is that a possible future for the EU without the UK being there? Maybe they can get on with things and, um, you know, make make progress on a more political level without uh, the UK's uh, interference in that. Um, maybe, you know, is the future of the nation state uh, in Europe, is it to go smaller are we looking at more um you know sub-sized uh new nation states i mean there's a lot of pressure of separatism just earlier on i mentioned that you know in spain catalonia is is one of those regions with barcelona as its capital in um freddie heineken's uh, eurotopia map is that is that a possibility? You know, there's a lot of pressure in Spain to say that they they don't want that to happen. So, there's, there's a tension there. Is is what I'm saying. So, okay, well, there we go. I mean, weird maps. We're looking at these these ideas of maps that are, are, are different to the situation that we're in. Could it could it all look different? Geographers, we love maps, don't we? Anyway, look, we're going to stop there. Um, thanks for listening, and um, see you again soon. Okay, bye bye.